1130 on a Monday, the 12th day of April, which means it's time for midday. Tyler Cavalli along with you. Thanks for making us a part of your day. Jason Jorgensen is here. He'll talk about how Husker baseball performed this past weekend. Filling in for Bob Brogan, who is out one more day, is Scott Foster. He'll tell us uh, how stocks are kind of performing, kind of up and down a little bit uh, so far to start this brand new week. Temperatures today and this week, eh, they're going to be okay for the most part. If the winds weren't blowing, they'd be a lot better, but Paul Perkins will fill us in coming up in about 15 minutes. But let's get caught up with our own Susan Littlefield. And uh, Susan, how's things going in your neck of the woods, and what do you have for us? Not too bad. A little uh, sunny and windy today, but here's what's uh, headed our way at 1219. Alex talks with Don Caldwell. She's with the Nebraska Cattlemen, as she discussed Nebraska Cattlemen's membership. Then at 1245, I'll be in to talk with the folks from American Farmland Trust as we continue our discussion on 30 by 30. And then I'll wrap up everything at 117 as the past Nebraska Cattlemen's president talks about genetics in cattle and how it's a big help for the feedlots. Okay. All right. So some informational stuff coming up here to uh, start midday then. Exactly. All right. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. All right. Let's turn things over to uh, Jason Jorgensen in sports. And Husker baseball, well, they won two or three this past weekend. Yeah, they continue to set them first place in the Big Ten standings. Uh, they have a game up on uh, Michigan, Ohio State, and Indiana lurking after that. Uh, quite a performance yesterday afternoon by Grand Island Zone Shea Shaneman. Of course, he started his career as a reliever for the Huskers. He's a starter now, and he's put up some big numbers from time to time. 11 strikeouts yesterday. Mm. So Huskers got the big win over Maryland. And you said they're still atop of the Big Ten standings? Yeah, they are. Okay. So this week right. they will be on the road at Penn State. I'm sure the weather will just be beautiful in Happy Valley <laughs> Always. for baseball this weekend from the Huskers and the Nittany Lions. Also, we'll tell you who the new Carney High mm. new volleyball coach is, a familiar face to volleyball around the region. So all of that and much more coming up in sports. Uh, that I see your Royals came back and beat uh, our own Jen's White Sox. They did, and yes, I have to yesterday. admit, I was a fair-weather fan yesterday. When Jesse Hahn gave up the two-run homer in the eighth inning, I was disgusted, and I turned it off. And I waited 20 minutes, turned it back on, and lo and behold, they tied the thing up, mm-hmm. went to extra innings, and won it. So the Royals, back at home tonight, start a series against uh, the Angels. Okay, winning is something uh, my Rockies <laughs> don't know what how to do. But uh, your Padres, meanwhile, as Scott Foster fills in for Bob Brogan, uh, they do know how to do. Hey, listen, a, a no-hitter. Finally, we're off, the, we're off the schneid. <laughs> Finally. And it was a, a San Diego boy yeah, who did it, cool, too, actually. from El Cajon. So, so that was very good. But, uh, yeah, Padres playing pretty well. Overnights, stocks are doing okay. The overnights uh, give us a little bit of an indication of the mix that was going to happen. The Japanese Nikkei was down 600 points. Hang Seng was down 78. But London's FTSE was up three, and the German DAX index was up 19 points right here in the United States. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is down 38. NASDAQ was da- is down 43, and the S&P is down about a point after just huge record week uh, last week. Uh, they're opening just a little bit mixed. So we'll keep an eye on all that. And Microsoft getting in, playing some games now, trying to get uh, getting into another new market. We'll talk about that. Playing games. Okay. Yeah, Online of. games, I assume. Uh, just, I'm just teasing it. I'm just going to tease it a little bit there. Okay. Actually, speech recognition. 
is what ah, they're looking at. Okay, very good. All of that and more coming up next on Midday. Here's Clay Patton. Field work is in full swing, and we know you're in the tractor from sunup to way past sundown. KRVN, the River, and Cami are geared up for 2021 spring breaks. We'll be the ones driving up in a vehicle from Pony Express, Chevrolet, and Buick, Gothenburg, and Pony Express Ford, Minden, bringing you a hot meal from Skeeter Barnes, the best Nebraska corn-fed beef, and slow-smoked barbecue in Kearney. Brought to you by Landmark Implement, your local John Deere dealer in South Central Nebraska and Northern Kansas, O'Hanlon Seed, your channel seedsman, Lexington and Elwood, and Doran Post and Associates, Lexington. It's time for a regional ag weather update. On this Monday, we're now talking with uh, Paul Perkins. And, well, Paul, it's not as windy as what it was the last couple of days, but uh, goodness, it's still breezy at times out there. I swear we're getting our March winds here in April, and we had the April showers in March. <laughs> I know it. Something's going on. We need to uh, calm the winds down, turn up the dial a little bit. Uh, those temperatures are still going to stay a little cool. Yeah, and it's uh, cool this week, and it looks like it's going to be uh, rather cool for the next couple of weeks before mm. maybe some very warm air moves in after about the 25th. That's when uh, some much warmer air is starting to build towards the western half of, or western third of the U.S. anyhow. And you know, I, I suppose it probably wouldn't be horrible when you have those mid-50s and, and those 60s mixed in, but with those winds, <laughs> again, it just makes those things uh, even a little cooler out there. Yeah, adding a little bit more to that chill, and it looks like those winds uh, sticking with us through at least tomorrow. Well, undoubtedly, we'll see some breezy conditions as the week goes on. Temperatures getting even cooler with some precipitation chances uh, moving in, but luckily it doesn't look like we're going to see much in the way of snow western areas maybe some uh, minor accumulations but overall not expecting much in the way of snow but some good rain chances by the end of the week okay all right well that's <laughs> positives i suppose we'll you take betcha. precipitation not snow but uh, for right now we're seeing uh, mostly sunny skies across much of the listening area yeah right now most of us with temperatures in the mid to upper 40s still some persistent cloud cover over central and east kansas especially from smith center and points off towards the southeast temperatures still in the mid to upper 30s in the Nebraska Panhandle right now, even some low 30s as you head into eastern areas of Wyoming. That's despite uh, some partly to mostly cloudy skies there. Sunshine and breezy, at least for our weather today. Uh, the sunshine helping to alleviate the chill with those breezy winds. Temperatures, though, slightly below normal as high pressure pushes in behind low pressure over Wisconsin, and we're caught in the middle of those two systems. Fire weather conditions near critical, but no red flag warnings in effect. In between systems, tomorrow remains slightly cooler than average. Still on the breezy side with the approach of low pressure, cloud cover increasing across the west. By tomorrow night, some small chances for light rain and snow return to the west and southwest part of Nebraska on into northwest Kansas. Scattered precipitation chances build into the central and east for Wednesday and Thursday. Our best chances for mostly rain Thursday night through Friday when low pressure tracks across the plains. A decent and fairly widespread rain event expected. As cold air is drawn in, a little snow could mix with that rain before it comes to an end. After several cool days and colder nights, the weather drying out over the weekend and temperatures beginning to moderate. It's likely, though, we won't see any dramatic warming anytime soon. Long-term forecast indicates mostly below normal temperatures for Nebraska and Kansas this weekend through April 25th, the brunt of the cooler air, this weekend through early 
and next week. It will be mainly dry with below normal precipitation this weekend through the 25th for Nebraska, Kansas, and much of the central and eastern U.S. Soil temperatures at 7 this morning and at 4 inches down, mostly in the upper 30s to the low 40s. The soil temperatures of 45 to 50 found from southeast Nebraska into central and east Kansas. Key weather factors impacting market trade include snow and rain in the U.S. northern plains and the continuation of dry weather in central Brazil. This week, persistently cool weather prevailing from the northern and central plains into the northeast U.S. Scanner temperatures below 20 will occur through midweek across the northern plains, while frequent freezes could affect areas as far south as the central plains. Occasional rain will stretch from the northern plains to southern New England, while midweek rain totals could become locally heavy towards the central Gulf Coast. The northern plains had rain and snow this past weekend with some moderate totals, useful moisture for some easing of their extreme drought. The northern plains precipitation continues through tomorrow. Scattered rain late this week, more likely, though, for South Dakota than the hardest-hit drought areas. Cold air dropping south likely to delay any additional planning. Over in the Midwest, periods of rain and cooler to colder temperatures will slow the winter wheat growth and delay early row crop planting. In the southern plains, widespread rain the last half of the week benefiting almost all wheat areas. Central Brazil crop areas had minimal rain this past weekend. Concern is high for the lack of moisture before the start of the dry season, which is usually in early May. Winter corn yield crop yield prospects unlikely to meet expectations. And something we should probably, uh, again, mention again today and, and probably tomorrow is the fire weather conditions. It's dry out there and with these nasty winds combining. Yeah, uh, uh, low humidity right now. And of course, the vegetation's still not all green and uh, some northwest winds bringing in some drier air, getting gusty at times, elevating it to near critical levels. But right now, no red flag warnings in effect, but still be careful with any open flame. Okay, and if there is any red flag warnings, we will certainly pass it along on the air as well. But a full forecast, where can somebody find that at? Weather page, krvn.com. All right, thank you, Paul. <laughs> It's now easier than ever to become a member of the Nebraska Cattlemen. And today we're learning about that opportunity with Don Caldwell. She's a beef producer and serves as the vice chair of member services with the Nebraska Cattlemen. Don, thanks so much for hopping on with us today. We've talked about becoming a member of the Nebraska Cattlemen, but remind us, what are some of the benefits of becoming a member of the Nebraska Cattlemen? There are a number of good benefits. And so, you know, I look at four... I know, I guess four headline areas maybe to think about. One is just grassroots connection and interaction. So if you need to find a, a feedlot to have your animals custom fed at, if you need to source a bull so um, for our seed stock members, they can, you know, make sure that, that all fellow members know about their operation. If you are commercial and looking for sires for your operation, there's that connection. We have a young cattlemen's program where we take about 10 to a dozen young cattlemen from throughout Nebraska each year and really give them an in-depth study of the industry. So there's that connection, interaction, educational piece of it, um, different webinars, different speakers available for local meetings, all those things. Then we have member communications. So the magazine that everybody knows about that is so well done with some good in-depth information about not only policy, but also production aspects, those sorts of things. Good advertising venue uh, for your operation or your business uh, for equipment supply. 
Then we have the legislative representation that I've already talked about. We want to be on our farms and ranches. It's calving season for many of us right now. Soon it will be breeding season, then haying season. We need somebody that is our face uh, to represent us when laws are being made, all these different things. So we have that, that aspect of it. Um, supporting the beef in schools. We have, you know, we have all sorts of different things, protecting brand laws, um, mediating brand discussions. Nebraska Cattlemen has been on the forefront of that. And then we have individual member issue assistance. And from that, what I mean is if you have something going on at your place, uh, perhaps it's an issue with NDEE that you need some assistance working through. Perhaps it's an issue, I think, back to a situation where a feedlot had cattle coming in and the truck got stopped due to hours of service at a scale less than two hours from destination. Nebraska cattlemen led the charge in working with the Nebraska State Patrol to make sure that we could get some grace. And then they have been on the forefront of leading with NCBA to get hours of service extended for livestock haulers in, uh, across the entire United States. So we have issues like that that can be resolved very easily. Building a driveway, whatever it may be that you're working on and a challenge that you have in your area, Nebraska cattlemen staff pick up the phone and they figure out how to help you work through the situation. All right. Lots of great information. Don, thanks so much. That again is Don Caldwell joining us. She is with the Nebraska Cattlemen. And if you're interested in becoming a member, it is easier than ever. You just need to go to their website, NebraskaCattlemen.org. There is a members tab and you just click join us. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. It's time for Midday Sports. Jason George is back in here with us. and Well, the Husker baseball team fared pretty well again this past weekend. Yeah, they would have liked to have gotten the sweep, but they took two out of three yesterday. Grand Island Shea Shaneman had a day to remember, striking out a career-high 11 over six-plus innings as Nebraska remained in first in the Big Ten standings with a 14-3 whipping in Maryland. Shaneman allowed just one hit over the first six innings. Now, since he continues to gain confidence coming from the bullpen and now the fact that he's a starter. I try to take a little and learn from each, each start and each time out. You know, try to be more consistent every time out. And, you know, I know that I don't have to be perfect with our team. Um, we're going to put up runs. We're going to play defense. We're going to do all the little things. So, you know, I wouldn't want to be in any other position right now with this team. After giving up a solo home run, Shaneman set down 10 in a row from the third through the sixth innings as the Huskers improved to 15-6. and six. On the year, they will be on the road this weekend at Penn State. I think that sets or says a lot about a pitcher. You can give up a solo home run, put in the back of your mind like it didn't happen, and move on from there and allow your team to have a chance. Also, that's a pretty talented guy to be starting on Sundays right. in college baseball. So things going well uh, for the Huskers. Things are also going well for the Tri-City Storm. They've now won eight in a row. That is the longest winning streak for that organization since 2018-2019 Anderson Cup Championship Series season is on Saturday night. They beat the Stars 3-1. to 
Is this a team that uh, has an opportunity, a, a well, real chance to make a late run? You'd think. I mean, they're leading the division. We should bring our own Paul Perkins hey, in. He's the hockey go. guy around here. <laughs> he can tell us more about that. But it's great to see the Storm playing well here in the second half of the year. Thiessen Anderson has been selected as the next head volleyball coach at Kearney High. He also will be a fourth-grade teacher at Kenwood Elementary. Anderson is returning to Kearney. Of course, he was a UNK graduate assistant for the volleyball squad from 2018 through 2020. Also served as a substitute teacher and was the varsity coach in Ravenna for a couple of years. So that's a nice move for the Bearcats. And the NAIA announced that two-time defending national and ten-time defending GPAC conference champion Morningside will host a first-round playoff game this Saturday. Seems a little weird, but yeah, the yeah. playoffs mm-hmm. and NAI are going on in the spring. They split their uh, their football season, so the game between the Mustangs and Carroll College of Montana will take place in Sioux City on Saturday at 1. I can't imagine how difficult that would be for a coach to try to keep everybody in shape, just do, do everything focused, if you will, uh, to get ready for the playoffs five months later, essentially. It's different. It's been a different year, but uh, they are one of uh, three teams from the GPAC that have made the playoffs. But as you and I both know, if a coach is going to be able to accomplish that and win another one, it's him. Yep, and if anyone could set out five months and put it all together, it'd be Morningside. All right, well, we'll be surprised the Mustangs uh, rain top again. Thank you. This is Greg Sharp coming up tonight on Sports Night. We'll have a full practice report, including comments from head coach Scott Frost. And it's our baseball show for the week. Will Bull will take your calls, comments, questions for an hour. That and more tonight on Sports Nightly. Listen tonight on the longest-running Husker affiliate, 880-KRVN. held this morning in Beaver City on a defendant's motion for a change of venue. Dave Schroeder reports from the Furnace County Courthouse. Defense attorney Joseph Howard asked Furnace County District Judge David Erbaum to move the June trial of William Billy Quinn out of Furnace County due to pre-trial publicity and the small number of county residents that could potentially be seated as jurors to hear the case. Quinn has pled not guilty to 15 charges related to an ongoing child sex trafficking investigation. Special Prosecutor Corey O'Brien cited previous case precedent and said all pre-trial media coverage has been fact-based based on court hearings and not inflammatory. Judge Erbaum took the arguments under advisement and will issue a ruling at another time. Dave Schroeder reporting from Beaver City. Thanks, Dave. The Omaha economy will get a significant boost from hosting the entire NCAA Volleyball Championship Tournament over the next two weeks. When the NCAA decided to move the entire tournament to the city instead of just holding the Final Four in Omaha, the demand for hotel rooms for the teams and officials jumped from 900 nights to 9,400 nights. The city's Convention and Visitors Bureau estimates that those added hotel rooms alone are expected to generate an $18 million economic impact for the city. The economic boost is welcome after so many events have been canceled in the past year because of the coronavirus pandemic. An inmate was taken to the hospital from the Lincoln Correctional Center Saturday after he was assaulted by another inmate. The State Department of Correctional Services said the assault happened around 10 p.m., about 45 minutes after staff members broke up an argument between the two men. Officials said the injured inmate was taken to the hospital with injuries to his head. The assault will be investigated and the county attorney will determine whether to file charges.
A 21-year-old Lincoln man is being held in the Buffalo County Jail following his arrest Sunday in connection with a robbery at a given convenience store. The Fort Kearney Trading Post is located about six miles east of Kearney near exit 279 on Interstate 80. Around 2.04 p.m. Sunday, the Buffalo County Sheriff's Office received a 911 call of a man who forcibly robbed an undisclosed amount of cash from a clerk. According to preliminary information, the man jumped behind the counter, pushed past a clerk, and removed money from the cash register. The subject then exited the store and fled westbound on I-80 in a silver Chevrolet four-door car with no license plates. A short time later, the suspect vehicle was spotted on I-80 several miles west of Kearney. The vehicle was stopped by a trooper with the Nebraska State Patrol and the suspect, Jeremy Anderson, taken into custody. The trooper was assisted by a conservation officer with the Nebraska Game and Parks Commission and a Buffalo County Sheriff's deputy. An undisclosed quantity of cash was located in the vehicle. No injuries were reported during the robbery or at the scene of the arrest. The man was transported to the Buffalo County Jail and booked on a charge of robbery, Class 2 felony. The Nebraska State Patrol and Kearney Police Department is also assisting the ongoing investigation. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Ellen Simmons. We're continuing our focus on 30 by 30. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. We're catching up with Mitch Hunter. He's American Farmland Trust Research Director. As American Farmland Trust has called on the Biden administration to protect and conserve 30% of working farmland and ranch land to achieve 30 by 30. Our starting point is that, you know, we think farmland and ranch land is one of the most important natural resources that we have. Um, and not just the land, but the farmers and ranchers who operate it, because without them, uh, you're not going to have that food production. You're not going to have the conservation on the ground. You're not going to have the, um, you know, vibrant rural communities, uh, which at the end of the day is, is also what it's all about. So, um, so we come from a place of really valuing what agriculture does um, and thinking it's really important to protect that agricultural land. And in fact, for 40 years now, we've been working to do that all across the country. Um, and we've, you know, done that on the ground. We've done it one by one with, with individual producers um, who, who have a deep commitment to their land and want to make sure that it stays in production in perpetuity. Um, and we've also done um, a lot of research. And in fact, some of our more recent research touches on Nebraska, and, and we show that in just 15 years, um, 66,000 acres of farmland and ranch land in Nebraska was converted um, out of agriculture into basically urban development, um, large lot development. And to us, that's, that's a huge loss. Um, that's land that could be producing food, um, you know, sequestering carbon in the soil, creating a place for wildlife to thrive. And so we see those losses and that really, you know, for us is the framework that we were thinking about this 30 by 30 effort in. Um, and we see it as an opportunity to start taking some big steps um, to secure our land base, to make sure that we keep having enough land to grow food um, and to protect the environment. Um, and we also do it in a way that supports farmers and ranchers. Is 30 by 30 good for agriculture? Because I think there's a lot of misunderstandings or just lack of understanding in general as to say, well, if I become a part of this, future generations are not going to be able to farm or ranch my land. Yeah, and we totally understand all the questions. Um, so what I would say is that it can be good for agriculture. 
right now it is pretty ill-defined. Um, that that much is clear, <laughs> but it's not clear yet. Um, just just yesterday, I was on a listening session with folks from the White House and USDA who are putting this together, and even they described it as you know some jello that hasn't quite set yet. So um, that's that's where we are, and I think that's a huge opportunity for um, folks in agriculture to be proactive. Um, to come up with good ideas and say, hey, here's how this could actually be a huge boon for us. And, you know, the starting point has got to be that it's voluntary, um, that we use the tools that USDA has built up over decades now um, that work, that, you know, everybody wishes were a little easier to use, a little faster to use with less bureaucracy. But at the end of the day, um, they're always oversubscribed. So there's producers out there who want to use them. Um, whether that's uh, something like CRP or EQIP or CSP, and sorry for all the acronyms, but if I, if I didn't use acronyms, it would take half an hour to say the names of all these programs. Um, but my bottom line point is that um, if we do it uh, in a way that builds on that legacy of voluntary incentive-based conservation, um, it can be a big boon for agriculture. It can make our soils healthier. It can make our farms more productive. Um, it, can, it can make for more wildlife on the landscape, um, whether you're a bird watcher or, or you like to hunt and fish, you know, that's a good thing. So um, we see it as, as a big opportunity. And, and what we're doing is just engaging with, you know, some ideas that can help bring shape to, to what is still ill-defined, but I think has a lot of potential. So, again, it's, I think it comes to that whole confusion. You talked about CRP, and I think of the uh, conservation easements that just hit 5 million acres recently. Producers are wondering, is this going to be kind of designed like a CRP or a conservation easement in some way? Well, um, I, I think uh, it's not still not clear, but what we would advocate is that um, we use all the tools that we've got. And so sometimes, you know, a CRP-like tool is appropriate, um, you know, provides that rental payment. It is short term in the sense of it's not permanent. It's maybe 10, 15 years renewable. Um, and so it can give producers flexibility to, let's say, rebuild soil health, um, control erosion um, on, on some land that is maybe more sloping, more prone to erosion um, and doing it in a way that can still bring in some income. So that that can be beneficial. But we also recognize that there are places where, where producers in the past have felt like um, CRP has been maybe used too much, taken too much land out of production, um, or hasn't been flexible enough. So we think, you know, within the broader toolbox, it's not just CRP. Um, we, we need to use the tool that works for the job. And That's part of my conversation with Mitch Hunter. He is with the American Farmland Trust. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Stocks moving slightly lower at this time with the Dow Jones Industrial Average and NASDAQ down about 40, the S&P unchanged. With your midday market report, I'm Scott Foster. The Biden White House is amplifying the push for its $2.3 trillion infrastructure package with state-by-state breakdowns showing the dire shape of roads, bridges, and the power grid, along with housing affordability. President Joe Biden is scheduled to meet today with lawmakers and can use those reports to show his plan would help their constituents. 
In the reports, most states received a letter grade on their infrastructure. West Virginia earned a D, so did Biden's home state of Delaware. The highest grade went to Utah, which notched only a C+. Microsoft, on an accelerated growth push, is buying a speech recognition company called Nuance in a deal worth $16 billion. Microsoft will pay $56 per share. The companies value the transaction at $19.7 billion, including debt. Microsoft's acquisition of Nuance comes after the company formed a partnership in 2019. Transaction is expected to close this year. Chinese regulators have ordered Alibaba Group Holdings financial affiliate Ant Group to become a financial holding company that could be regulated more stringently. The authorities also ordered Ant to cease alleged anti-competitive behavior in its payments business. At a meeting today, the People's Bank of China and other financial regulators told Ant to reduce the balance of its money market fund and to stop any illegal credit insurance or wealth management activities. West Virginia is joining the growing list of places recruiting remote workers with a thrill-seeking twist. A program launched today will try to lure outdoor enthusiasts to live in the rural state with enticements of cash and free passes for recreational destinations. The goal is to leverage one of West Virginia's most appealing assets, its natural beauty, to stem a population loss in the only state that has fewer residents now than in 1950. Program participants will receive $1,200 cash. They'll also get passes for a year for adventures such as whitewater rafting and golf. The program is now accepting applications for the first 50 openings in Morgantown. With today's business here on Midday, I'm Scott Foster. Genetics in livestock is in a constant change. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. During our FNBO Friday feeders, I asked Mike Drennan, who is past president of the Nebraska Cattlemen and a cattle producer outside of Columbus, how much influence is genetics playing now on the feedlot operations? Susan, that's a good question because we've seen a huge uh uh, well, the genetics have improved so much since the drought years, and and which has been extremely good for a lot of our cow-calf producers where they've been able to really update their herds after that horrible drought that we had seen in both 11 and 12, and as we tried to rebuild from there, and they rebuilt with some extremely good genetics. And as you look at, at just the cattle that we feed across our yard, I mean, it's the genetics in there are just, just better as a whole. And, you know, cattle are grading better. Um, as you know, well see that our, our choice grade is, is much higher than what we've seen in, in quite a few years. If you go back 10 years from now, I mean, there's been a big difference in there. And, and so that's been something that's been really good. And, and there's been a lot of changes within that. And we've, you know, we as feed yards have looked at things and, and we see it. Maybe we've seen differences in some performance areas and some thing and, uh, and, and part of the other and some health issues and things like that. But I'll tell you what's important is, is that we continue to work together and these conversations have happened that, you know, as we look at and try and develop those animals and keep trying to, to, uh, enhance our 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 herd and and for our product that goes to our consumers at the retail counter and the hri trade is that 
we have to have a product that's very consistent, and I think we've done an extremely good job with that and a tasty product, and obviously I think that's been really good too. But it boils down to, and we have to remember that when it boils down to it, in a feed yard, we have to have high efficiencies and, and high um, and performance from these cattle. So we always have to look at everything. And so there's been, you know, a lot of, of great things happen within our genetics. What advice would you give to somebody who's just starting out in this industry? Probably the best part about this industry, Susan, is is that everything that we do is still done within it's really a handshake. I mean, we sell thousands and thousands of head of cattle each week and we do it over the phone and we agree on a price with the packer and and the person who's selling it and we might make a note of it when in our books so we know what it is, but there's never any contracts. And, you know, it's, it's occasionally if you forward sell some to a packer or things like that, yeah, there's a contract that's involved with that. But you look at how we buy feeder cattle in this industry, and there's a lot of people that I buy cattle from that, and I talk to them, you know, two, three times a week, and I probably never met the person. But it's still a trust that we have in there that we buy the cattle, they trust we're going to pay for them, and, and they put them on a truck, and we trust that that transportation and, and the truckers, how important they are to our business to get these cattle back to our feed yards in a safe and efficient manner. And so it's, it's really, it, it, that's probably one of the most satisfying parts of it. And I think in a lot of areas, and I talk to a lot of different people, they just scratch their head on how we do business that way. My conversation with past Nebraska Cattlemen's President, Mike Drennan. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Fan on the Rural Radio Network. Let's check in with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter this week in Grain for a check here of the grain settlements. And John, kind of a negative day across the broader ag commodity complex, but corn, really, it's one that didn't really start to move lower until uh, we saw corn and soybeans really fall lower. Does it still have the South American story to try and catch the bull's attention? Yeah, if you're going to catch a break here, that report was really bullish on Friday, and I think you just saw the froth come out of it certainly sales being made at $5. I mean, that's, again, a, a theme here is we're hitting levels that, you know, folks have strived for the last, you know, decade. So at this point in time, uh, the opportunity to do it this early in the season, I think you're seeing some folks that take that on a new crop. But in regards to the story here, the old crop's really the, the opportunity. And I don't understand quite why market's being down. Corn, uh, specifically on the old crop side, Brazil's going to be dry the next couple of weeks. This is a pretty important time for them. And then uh, in, the, uh, in, in the realm of um, you know, what they're going to do with the supply they need. They're, they're talking about buying it from Argentina already. So I think at this point in time, the U.S., you know, market's going to stay warm, stay hot. You know, once the wheat turns around, I think things will help there as well. Looking at that marketing strategy on corn, going all the way out to December 2022, is 416 a pra- attractive price level, or is it best to kind of wait and see what happens? Yeah, it's... I, you know, I think you got to start to dip your toes in the water a little bit here, just from the unknowns that are in the market. And I think today is a good example. You had, um, you know, the Premier China mentioned, you know, cooling off the commodity markets, and you saw copper really stumble. Um, I think that's one reason why the markets like hogs were down. So, all in all, it was just a negative day for anything tied to the Chinese demand story. But I think that's just more of a one or two day event here. I think things will turn around midweek, and we'll look for, you know, prices to chop around here before they may walk the report. 
civil here. We've gotten rain, maybe a little cool. I understand you folks might be a little wet as well. Um, you know, so things are slow out, you know, in certain spots. But, you know, at this point in time, I don't think Mark too, too uh, upset about it. Down in the southeast U.S., down there on the Delta, where they're starts get really getting rolling in their planting season. What you, have you heard anything for producers? Is it too wet, or are they able to plant? Some have gotten out. You know, some are some are just kind of holding off here. I mean, it's typically an early wet season anyway. But um, you know, those folks want to get started here, given the prices where they are. Um, you know, there's other markets like rice they could turn to. So short term, I, I you know I look at that to being the really only weather story out there right now. But we'll monitor as we go. That's John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. If you'd like to work with John or, Tom, or Daniel Zag Marketing, check out danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, though, trading futures and options involve risk of loss. may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing. Thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up this Monday edition of Midday. You can find the Midday Podcast, sponsored by Devaney Motors, where podcasts can be found, or at krvn.com. 